Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season four of Fed Talks. Can you believe it? Four seasons. It just keeps growing every year, and I only have you all to thank. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing rating the show, leaving reviews, interacting with me on social media, emailing me your feedback. I welcome all of it, and and I, I am just so thankful for each and every one of you out there, not only for the success of Fed Talks and the growth that it's seeing every single season, but thank you for the work that you're doing with your students. I know this new year is gearing up. If you haven't already started, you will be soon. For those of you who have started, I hope the year has started off so great for you. Um, I know where we are with COVID, it, it think lots of things are in the air and things still change by the minute. But, but what doesn't change is the work that you do with your students and how needed it is and how fantastic you are. Um, no matter how tired you may be and how you may not feel rested or rejuvenated and ready for this year, I know you miss your kids and I know you want to do the work with them. So I just thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do this year and the the amazing people that you all are. Um, I have a fantastic uh, lineup of guests for you this season, teachers from all over the world, um, elementary teachers, middle school teachers, high school teachers, so many teaching artists, authors. I am ecstatic with the response for the, the, the interviews for this season. So thank you for answering the call. I appreciate it. And I, I, I hope I deliver on some fantastic uh, resources, advice, um, stories, everything to keep keep you motivated throughout this year. And I hope that Fed Talks is providing that space that is um, helping with the feeling of isolation for those of you who are the only teachers in your building. Um, but also, uh, my goal with the podcast was just to to provide a space to capture those stories from teachers and 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 to. To, to let you know that you're not alone out there. Um, I remember being in my school building alone and um, whether I had great relationships or not great relationships with other colleagues in the district, um, I, I just, I, I know how important that sense of community and that sense of belonging and that feeling of that you're not alone in this. And I hope that I am providing a little bit of that for you, um, especially as you move into this school year. Um, you may have noticed different music at the beginning, and you'll notice different music at the end of the episode. Um, during quarantine, I released an album, and that song is a, a remix of one of my songs from my album, As I Am. Um, feel free to find that. It is on all the streaming services. You can buy it on Amazon or Bandcamp. Uh, if you want physical copies, just email me, and I we can arrange to get that to you as well. But um, it was always a dream of mine to put an album out, and I wrote some music with some producers, uh, Andrew Gladwell in uh, London and Martin Delanina in Los Angeles, and we collaborated virtually. The whole the whole album was done, um, me singing in a closet in my downstairs basement um, while they were in their studios in London or Los Angeles. So um, I would love it if you'd check, out, check it out. Um, if you don't like it, that's cool. If you like it, uh, 
download it, save it, buy it, whatever you want to do. Um, but but the, the music that you're hearing is my music um, that I worked with Martin to create for a song called Shoes. Um, so I, you know, we've, we have to find ways to be productive. We have to find ways to continue to create. Um, and in the face of adversity, the artist thrives, right? So um, I'm going to quit rambling. Um, I have a great interview for you today. Mark Weaver is a fantastic teacher um, that I had a fantastic conversation with, and I hope that you uh, you get a lot out of it. I, 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 before the interview begins, I did want to share that um, I, I say in the interview that I, I, I found uh, Mark on uh, Elementary Theater Teacher Facebook page, and I did bug him uh, for a while to... to come and talk with me on the show and we finally were able to set it up uh, but but mark is uh, a very uh common um not common teacher a common experience that i have with teachers who who are interested in talking with me on the show um and that he he didn't feel felt he did not feel that he had um something to say or that that there because of his um limited experience in the classroom that he wouldn't be able to offer much and i hope that once you finish the interview that um you will see uh, you all have something to offer. And um, if you're interested in talking with me, I would love to talk to you. So just email me, fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com, and uh, uh, we'll get you scheduled and, and, and set up an interview. But only thing I look for in guests is that you have a passion for teaching theater, uh, that you have a passion for kids, and that you have a passion for what you do. And from there we can go and we, we can have a, a wonderful conversation, a fulfilling conversation and something really meaningful. So if you've been on the fence of reaching out to, to be a part of the podcast, please don't hesitate reaching out. I, I would love to set that time up and, and have that conversation with you. So I'm going to quit babbling and rambling now. Just wanted to catch up a little bit on, on me and offer a little bit of encouragement for this beginning of the year uh, before we launch into the interview. I am excited to welcome to the podcast for this episode, Mark Weaver from Independence Elementary School in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I have hounded him for several months on Facebook trying to get an interview, and finally I have pinned him down. So thank you, Mark, for joining me, and I cannot wait to talk to you about your experience with elementary students and your journey to where we are. So welcome to the show. Introduce yourself and just give us your journey of how we got to where we are now in theater education with you. Yeah, well, my pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I love what you're doing with this podcast and um, that you are connecting theater teachers across the country. So, yeah, so my name is Mark Weaver and um, I started um, like a lot of a lot of kids in in middle school and in, uh, or intermediate school acting out acting in plays in school and um, just got the bug from there and um, Going through high school and college, I did my best to find as many opportunities to get on stage. And high school is where I volunteered to do like a senior direct. And that's when kind of my eyes opened that there's this whole other side of theater that's um, real and out there. And um, so I kind of went for college, um, kind of not knowing yet that I wanted to be a teacher, but I, that I really liked directing. I really liked working with um, a small family group of people and um, helping them, coaching them and seeing their um, progress on stage. So and when I was in college, I did uh, mostly I tried to grab as many directing uh, opportunities, opportunities that I could. 
And then I started doing internships. Um, and that was where I really started to um, see a path in theater education. My first internship was in Casa Mignana, actually, in Fort Worth in my sophomore year of college. And I had no idea what I was doing. I did not study education. I did not, um, never worked with kids before, actually. Um, but I read the description and I liked, it was just like a camp counselor um, gig. And I had an incredible time. Um, I really loved working with the kids and their personalities and then watching them grow throughout the process. And I felt kind of this moment of like, I really love that I can give back my passion for theater to, um, to kids and that it has a meaning beyond just, it's, it, it's theater to help young people grow and develop as, as humans and not just um, putting on theater for the sake of it, not just art for art's sake, which was something I was wrestling with in school. Um, so throughout my time, I did some more, I did some more internships with, uh, with, I interned in Minneapolis. I took a semester abroad and I was also very interested, not just in um, art for, for child development, for, for helping kids grow, but also for social change. I was learning a lot about social issues in, in college and, um, and kind of the, the lack of access to arts that, that different communities were having. And you know, a lot of my friends were going to England or they were going to like Europe for these really fancy study abroad semesters. And my heart was just, um, well, I remember I took a class. It was this intro to Latin American studies class. And um, we watched a documentary called Wasteland by Vic. And it's about Vic Munez, who's this artist, visual artist. And um, it's kind of a tangent, but it's worth it. Um, and it's all about this artist who like, he goes and lives in this land, the largest landfill in the world in Brazil. And he takes photographs of them. And then like, he takes the photographs and like studies and gets to know them and lives with them. And then he does like these large scale photographs made out of trash. And um, he ends up like selling those pieces of arts um, to like hoity-toity art people in Europe. and and in the United States. And he, all the money that he used or that he got from that, um, he put back into the community and he helped mm -hmm. to build a school there. And that really, really like made me question the role of like, of the artist in society. You know, what is my role as an artist? Um, how can I help to change the world? Um, so that led me to study in Minneapolis and learn about, um, I did an internship at a Washburn High School where um, the whole program was based on youth voice. So it not only was just theater to help, you know, develop kids with their confidence, but it was to amplify their voices. And in that internship, um, I was an assistant and we, we covered some really heavy topics. Um, and I mean, topics of like racism, racial profiling, um, drunk driving, there was one about absent fathers. And my eyes continue to open to be like, to see that that theater can be used as a vehicle as well to um, 
to bring young voices to light and to talk about and engage with issues in society. So anyway, I kind of like went through, um, after I graduated college, it was kind of like a hard shift into the real world because now I had to make money. <laughs> so I did a lot of freelancing and kind of got my toes back into like the professional world um, and worked as a, as a stage manager and as an assistant director, kind of any chance I could get to to um, to work, I took it in Colum and this was in Columbus, Ohio, which has an incredible mini arts community. Um, and I kind of over the last several years exhausted what I felt like I could get out of the city and out of nonprofits and kind of found myself at a point where I was like, what do I really want to do for the rest of my life and how can I create more stability for myself because as a freelancer you don't know you know if you're getting paid or unpaid you don't know when the next job is and I'm living with a toxic roommate and I was experiencing burnout so I decided to make a big shift in 2009 and 2019 and I went back home to Texas and which is where I'm currently living and I pursued uh, an alternative certification to teach theater full-time and because I knew that my heart was in working with kids and um, and it kind of happened as I was substitute teaching and looking for jobs that there was an opening in elementary theater and I took it because it was in the district that I grew up in the district that school district that inspired me and the teachers that got me passionate about it. So um, I feel really honored to be in here in Keller ISD. Um, to give back to my hometown. So, and now I, here I am, and we're about to start our sec my second year of teaching. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you got some really cool things I want to dig into, but I, I do want to, I, I, I neglected to mention that you just finished your first year um, when I introduced you. And so I want to know a little bit, what was that like for you? Because surely that's not what you signed up for, right? <laughs> Oh man. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was chaotic. Um, I think it was, it was like the hardest year of, of teaching in history. I think like what for, for what has been echoed by many people. And it was weird. Cause you know, like it was my first year, so I didn't really know any different. Like it was just, okay, this is what the the program looks like. Um, you know, I, I think it was very, it was very emotional, like that coming into last, you know, around this time last year, we had no idea what we were doing and plans were changing by the minute. Yeah. Um, like we would develop plans and then we'd just, just throw it out the window. We weren't sure if we were going to be in person or online. Um, and someone with anxiety, like it was, you know, and I, I like to plan ahead. I was not able to do any of that. Yeah. Um, so... You know, it was it was very emotional, but I, you know, I feel like my experiences have built up a lot of grit and a lot of um, strength. Like working in various circumstances, uh, I work. You know, being in summer stock, I feel like I can do anything. Um, that's a whole other story. But I'm like, oh, I I did that. Now anything I can I can do anything. Um, it, I think the, I was thinking about this this morning. Is like it was very hard. The masks thing, the masks is just wearing a mask, but 
you know, like figuring out how to do theater social di socially distant and um, how to adapt that for the classroom with 25 kids. Cause I, I was lucky that I did not have to do um, remote teaching. They, in my district, they had hired someone to cover all of the remote kids. Mm -hmm. And so we had to focus on, we, on the elementary level, we got to focus on just the classroom in-person teaching. Um, so it was tough. I mean, the winter in November, we got to a point where we had like 30 staff members that were out because they were quarantined and um, they didn't have enough, we didn't have enough subs to keep the building open. So we shut down for five days. Wow. And um, I mean, it felt like our world was crashing around us. Um, when we got into um, the spring, I think we started to, we felt more comfortable. We knew what we were going into. And it seemed that we were getting less and less cases as the vaccinations were going out. Um, so it got easier. Uh, people were really tired of the protocols and it was hard to, to stay, um, you know, none of us were perfect in following them. Um, but we pushed on and we survived. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, 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 I've, I will probably mention it on several other interviews coming up, um, but I I am amazed at the resiliency and and the strength and the fortitude that every theater teacher I know, just every teacher in general, but I'm it's our theater teacher audience right now listening. So I, I you all are rock stars, and I appreciate you um, having having children who have arts teachers and and did online and face-to-face -face socially distanced productions last year you all are amazing and as a parent as a teacher of teachers and just as a connoisseur of theater education I appreciate you and thank you for all that you did and I'm very happy that it didn't knock you down and that you are coming back for at least year two um, and seeing what that brings you so thank you thank you um yeah, I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh, if you can get through this year, the next this year will be the next year will be a breeze." So hopefully, <laughs> um, that's a little bit true. I will say I was very inspired by a lot of other theater teachers, a lot of other art teachers last year, um, because I saw we were dealt we were dealt with some pretty difficult cards, um, and I'm getting emotional thinking about it but I saw so much determination um, and uh, flexibility and caution that was expressed into keeping these experiences alive for these kids um, and for ourselves. Um, and I was just really lifted up by seeing that people were doing things socially distant or, you know, I ended up doing a play on Zoom, which was fun. Um, but seeing that people not giving up, that as creatives, like we problem solved and um, we believe in our art so much that we did whatever we could to, to keep it going. Um, so I just wanna say thank you to all the, to all the theater teachers, all the fine arts teachers that um, struggled, but overcame challenges last year to keep the fine arts alive. Do you feel at all rested and ready to go back? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm excited. 
I'm excited. Yeah, I I chose not to do very much this summer um, and just lay low. Um, so I'm working on a project right now with some other theater teachers um, on a play um, in person, which has been a lot of fun. But for the most part, uh, I got to rest. And that's something that I've really come to learn is important as a teacher is um, is resting and and recovering. Yeah, you got to take that time for you. Yeah, it's imperative. It's imperative. Um, I am I am currently in a production of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And I over the last year and a half, I I attempted to to watch Zoom productions and I I did some readings. um, But there was just something about them that like, it shut me down. And I, I just after a couple of them, I just I couldn't sit through another zoom production um but uh i i was sitting i got to the auditions because they were in person and i was just sitting there in the house and i texted my husband after we got up and just did one little group movement thing mm-hmm. like on the stage as everybody who was there auditioning and i just texted him i was like um i did not realize how emotional i would get just being in a space again with people creating yeah. and and just how special that was and how I get, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I took it for granted probably um, yeah. leading up to, 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 to lockdown and, and, and not doing live theater and, and teaching in person. So um, I think, I hope coming out of all this, I hope we, we have that greater appreciation for what we do and, and who we do it with and, and we don't take it for granted as much. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's go back to some of the things that I, I wanted to hit with, with when you introduce yourself. I would love to hear a little bit about that middle school and high school teacher or director that, that inspired you. Talk to me about that, that person or those people and, and your relationship with them and, and kind of what they did for you. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story because, um, so I'm Lena Pulaskis was my middle school theater teacher um, at Fossil Hill Middle School. And we're currently actually colleagues. Um, we're on the same team. She teaches elementary theater down the street from me i'm actually and, interviewing her in a few days so i'm very you are i am I was, I was actually going to suggest like you need to talk to lena <laughs> because uh she's a genius um but i never imagined you know now we share she shares her poetry with me and she she she's into playwriting and she we often um text each other ideas um we have we share she shares about her family but i'm a really close friend with her now um which is something i never would imagine because like kind of flashback to when i was in middle school to kind of set the scene like um it, i had a very tough time growing up um i was my parents were going through a divorce and i had two pretty narcissistic parents um that and my mom was also pretty bipolar and so there was a lot of um tumultuousness in my house as well as like it was around that time that like my grandma was like my role model and then she passed away um I was also like grappling with being like gay and like how to fit in in middle school and Mm -hmm. just kind of like not fitting into the mold of being a like a that manned box um so there was a lot really going on and i was painfully shy and awkward um 
And I had a couple of close friends, but I really felt uncomfortable around people. Um, and so theater at that time was like my refuge. It was my place where I could just have fun and meet a lot of people who were kind of similar to me. Um, and Lena did such an amazing job of like making it this fun, um, happy, um, but also like this place where there's, we have high expectations to succeed, uh, to succeed. Um, but she, we laughed, we had fun. We, we, um, we, she made it a great place to be. And I, I always remember like counting down the periods of like, okay, it's fourth period. I cannot wait till seventh period theater production class. Like that was my reason for going to school was like, I felt like I could just be myself in that class. And, um, and the, the great thing about Lena was that like, she really saw me. Like she, I think really took the time to see her students and hear them. And um, she, even though I felt like invisible, she saw that I was there and she, you know, and she believed in me. I remember one moment really clearly, we were working on like a monologue from Hamlet after school. Um, and uh, it was just me one-on-one -on -one after school. And she had just noticed my body language was just kind of closed and like something was wrong or bad. And she asked me, she was like, are you okay? Like, is there, are you okay? Is like, there's something going on. And I felt beyond like, I wasn't just her student, but I felt like I trusted her enough to tell her like, yeah, that that was like when my grandmother passed away. And she said, do you need a hug? Like just really like casually. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I need a hug. <laughs> and that moment was like life changing. That was the moment where I felt, I looked up to her as a mom. Like she was really someone who like raised me. Um, and she, didn't just care about me as a student, but as a person. And that really carried me through. You know, I had a rocky time in high school. We had three different theater teachers. And even in my college theaters department was dysfunctional. I think a lot of departments are dysfunctional. <laughs> but, you know, like when I interned at that Casa Manana, which was that camp counseling job, I, I thought back to that moment when, when Mrs. P, you know, when she comforted me and I thought if I could do that for these kids, then, you know, that can really make the, a difference for someone. Um, so, so that's why I feel like I'm here. Um, and I feel like I try as a teacher, not just to just teach content, but I, you know, with the kids that are the behavior kids, quote unquote, you know, like they talk about how like relationships is like the most important part with classroom management, like developing those relationships outside of class, like going above and beyond and getting to know them. That takes effort. I mean, that's not just part of, that's just being part of being a teacher um, that's outside of theater is like just getting to know them personally and building that trust. Um, I see that as really an important part of the job um, that has nothing to do with what the content I'm teaching, um, but can be a huge difference in some kids' life. So, absolutely, yeah. and and it's 
and we don't always know like we don't always have the mark who who has that that really close relationship with lena and who can share that and have those moments and she can offer that hug you know sometimes it's just the kid that we say hi to yeah i really love that shirt that's a really cool shirt today appreciate you being here just something simple they don't even have to respond and you don't know what kind of impact that has on them because you may be the only one who says that to them that day and and that makes a difference you know yeah um 100 percent. 100 percent. well looking back um when you when you had that 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 one moment that moment that you realized that this is what you're supposed to be doing with your career um, what was that moment? Um, hmm. I think that's tough. I think I've had many moments where, you know, I actually, I, I just thought of this, but in, and also while I was at college, um, I was volunteering in big brothers, big sisters. Um, and I think actually that was really pivotal too. And it was after I had been doing it because um, I went through this leadership camp thing and they, someone suggested it for me. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. Uh, and, you know, at this point in college, I hadn't worked with kids. I hadn't thought about it. Um, but after volunteering in that program for like two, two or three years, I saw a really massive difference in my little. Um, and he even expressed that he was more confident because of me. And that was a big moment of like, wait, I can actually, me and my mentally ill personhood, like I can actually like positively impact an individual. Like that was kind of, I had, I had, I saw it before my eyes. I mean, he changed and, um, and that was kind of like the big moment of like, I need to be doing this because I guess I'm pretty okay at it. <laughs> um, and his, like seeing his growth, I think a lot of teachers probably say this, but like seeing him, seeing when your students grow and that you've had a hand in that, like that's a very rewarding moment. So I think Big Brothers Big Sisters for really helping me realize in a really low risk way that yeah, I can actually um, be comfortable around students and hang out with them and help them become better. So, well, I think what you, I think you said something there that that's important for for all theater teachers to to hear. Well, all teachers just in general, but again, this is our audience. So, those theater yeah. teachers is that we it's okay to celebrate those moments that we did have a hand in that, mm-hmm. and and I. I'm I am very um oh this is going to sound really bad when I say it cuz it's going to sound completely opposite but I'm very humble and very modest when it comes to that and I don't like to brag about myself um and and I think I think there is a difference in bragging and, and celebrating the success of of what we've done uh, with our chosen yes. paths and the our, our the day-to-day grind can get to us and and those little successes are things that are going to keep us going for those long careers so i appreciate you bringing that point up and and i I think we need to celebrate that more in in what we do yeah I, i was going to say like i really believe um 
I think there's some, I struggled with accepting compliments or accepting praise for a while. Um, and what I've learned now is to just learn to just receive it and, and not claim it, but just claim it and not in a braggadocious way, but in a way that's, um, that you are humbly accepting what someone else is saying about you, if it's positive. Um, I'll have students that will come to me and tell me, you know, how I, you know, give me a testimony, you know, and those are really touching moments because um, it means that what I'm doing matters. Um, and to brush it aside and say, no, I didn't do that yet. Like, no, 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 like that was all you. Like, no, that's that's not true. Like we, we put our energy and we put our effort and our passion in the room for this. And um, so learning to accept it in a humble way is a skill. And, um, and then you also said something about like remembering those successes. Yeah, I think like, reflecting on those moments when we do succeed, those little wins that we have with kids and they can be really small. I mean, they can be like if a shy kid just decides to jump into a game. I mean, sometimes that's a huge victory for yes, that is. kid. Yes, it is. And um, like I had a student this last year who would not verbally participate because he was, he was too scared. And um, I kind of just kept going and I allowed him to be an observer. And then there was a moment when he like, he improvised and participated. And I was just like, that made my whole day because this student felt like this was a safe environment. I had made this a safe environment for them. Um, so yeah, just remember and recording. And I did this last year. I, I went on walks a lot after school or on the weekend where I would talk because I, I like to talk to myself. Um, I would think about those moments, but I'm, this year I want to do a better job of like writing it down and just like, you know, whenever I need to looking back on, um, cause we'll always get bogged down with stress or, or some, some negativity, but just remembering the good stuff that's, that's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, that keeps you going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to, I want to follow up on what you, when you were talking about your, your, your work with theater for social change, um, how do you, how does that translate to, to elementary age kids? That's a great question. Um, and that's a, that's a current investigation that I'm currently, that I'm in. Um, I've done a lot of research this summer on process drama and on story drama. Um, you know, so I never studied theater education theoretically on any way. So everything has been kind of what I've learned from other teachers. Um, but in my in my study this summer, uh, I was able to come across some books that show an approach to teaching theater that allows the students to um, engage with bigger issues, whether it's an issue of bullying or a school issue or an issue with um, a societal issue like racism or immigration. Um, how do I translate kind of my experience at Washburn in a high school into an elementary? And I don't know yet, um, but I think that, you know, in an elementary school, what I've found is that picture books are really foundational, fundamental um, to building literacy, 
but are just really accessible for students. And I've been really lucky to come across some really deep and powerful picture books that can be as a, uh, like a springboard for drama work in my room uh, where they are having to think about and uh, think about issues from different perspectives. So I think that's, that's kind of the road that I'm on is kind of using picture books as a vehicle that show different perspectives from different diverse voices um, to teach them empathy and to teach them um, about inclusion and different things going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, eventually I really want to do a devised, find devised activities that will work for elementary students where, because um, what I've learned about, what I learned from Washburn is that the teacher isn't prescribing or isn't coming in with an agenda. And there's many different ways of devising theater. Um, and I'm, there's not one right way. Mm -hmm. But what I saw that worked really well at Washburn was that the teacher, Crystal Spring, who is one of my mentors, um, is like, she has the students brainstorm, what issues are you having in your life, whether it's personal, it's a community issue. And so it comes from the students. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that I can, with probably my third or fourth graders, can probably m mirror that process in a way that it relates to them in their lives where they're at right now, um, but still not be afraid of opening it up to, you know, a social issue if they want to take it there. But mm -hmm. I don't want to come in and say, we're going to talk about this um, and then force them if that's not what is at the heart of, of what they're going through. So, yeah. so it's, it's kind of a, it's a work in progress. Well, I would love to follow up with you and see how things are going with that because that's a that's a key piece of of who I am as a teacher and 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 I, I just I love to hear when teachers are are doing that with with even little ones because I I think they can and and they want to and they do have a voice and and I appreciate you giving them that space to have that. Um, I also I made a note for myself on my notes here. Um, I could send you some some great resources as well if if you'd be open to that. Yes, please. Um, just some some things I've come across that you might could find useful going forward as you do your work. So I'll be happy to do that. Yes, please. Yeah. I believe that I think youth voice um, I think is not always emphasized in theater programs, um, and I don't think that's good. I think in our society right now we need to give youth the power back. We need them to say what they're feeling and what they're thinking and allow a multiplicity of opinions and allow there to be a discourse in the classroom. I think that a lot of programs are still very traditional in that you know, you hand them a script and then there's the interpretive work and there's nothing wrong with that. And I do think that actually, I just saw a play, The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, which tackled um, educate the school system. You know, some plays that we, that we, that we pick can have some great content and, and address some really critical issues, but we need students to become artists and writers and playwriters and make their own work because 
frankly, it's more exciting and it's, um, it, it gives them, it equips them to, to be able to go into the real world and to stand up for themselves or to stand up for other people. And that's what I, what I carried away from Washburn was that these kids are now confident, not just as performers, but as who they are in their morals and in what they believe is right and wrong and in the sense of justice. Um, and they can go out and help to change the world. It doesn't not, you know, it doesn't have to be in theater. It could be in, in politics or in other arenas, but I think equipping kids to, to think critically and to be able to express an opinion and to, to have debates, um, that is something you really need right now. So anyway, I'm really passionate about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are lighting up on my screen talking about it, so I appreciate that. Um, well, I know last year was not ideal for, for any teacher, um, but what's something you're looking forward to this year? What, what's coming up for you? Yeah, well, um, it's kind of a have a balanced points to this. So, I mean, next year, for better or for worse, uh, we are our school district is going back to normal. Um, I'm excited to to go into back to bring the community together. And I, I really missed we didn't really get any parent contacts last week, last year. And I actually am someone who really like I love getting to know parents. I love meeting the families of the kids and. I love one of my favorite moments as a theater teacher is um, being in the room with the families in the audience and watching them and just and then afterwards and seeing the conversations and just how people like how excited and how happy people are. We didn't get any of that last year. And um, I'm really excited um, that and hopefully in a safe way that we can come together and gather and celebrate the kids on stage and their families um, and do that through our programs and our performances. Um, next year, we're doing 101 Dalmatians as our fourth grade musical. And so I'm very excited to direct again and, um, and to just have, I'll get to have a troop of kids, about 30 kids, hopefully, and just excited to really um, get close with that niche group because as an elementary teacher, I see the whole school, I'll mm -hmm. see 500 kids. And it's hard to even remember all of their names. And next year we're gonna get more kids. But the great thing about having the after school club is that I get to really have developed deeper bonds with them. And then I feel like they're my kids. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to being rehearsing in person and just that collaboration process that it's hard to was hard to do on Zoom. It was hard to do socially distant. So, yeah. Wellness and well being is really important to me, and I I think all theater teachers go 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 one hundred and ten percent all day long. Um, what amazes me with elementary teachers is you don't have a choice but to be on one hundred and ten percent and on. Yeah. Yeah. go 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 all day long um how do you how how do you take care of yourself when the day is done like do you mm -hmm. are you able to leave the work at work and go home and and have that life outside and what what do you do to to help balance that yeah um i i totally agree um it's it takes a lot of energy um to work with young kids and it's not it's an acquired taste it's not for everybody 
Um, some of the things that I do, because self-care is something that's really important to me. Well, I'll just, but I'll start with saying that one of the, the blessings of elementary theater is that we don't have UIL one act play, which is what the middle and high school mm -hmm. students do. Um, and just for the general audience, if they don't know, it is a very intense, mm -hmm. um, rigorous comp 40 minute play competition. Um, so we don't have that. We don't have contests. We have other things, but we also don't have huge, you know, several musicals a year. We have one musical a year. And the other thing is that we get to do things in class. Like we'll, our programs and musicals, a lot of what we get to do is we get to rehearse in class. And so that affords us to be able to not have to stay super late at night and can go home and have a life. So it's a blessing to be able to just walk away and go home. Now, what do I do when I go home? <laughs> I think the things that for well-being for me, I mean, sleep is a huge thing. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go home and I need to go to bed at like six o'clock and I don't have any shame in that at all. Like I need every second of sleep I get because all of the energy is, is out. Um, one phrase that came to mind is um, if you, if you if your cup is not filled, then you cannot pour into others. And that's something I'm gonna get tattooed. Um, but you have to, I have to use that time to refill my cup. Um, a lot of times it's sleeping. A lot of the times it's leaving school, not sticking around my desk. And sometimes it's hard to like get out of my chair and leave, but I'll stay sometimes till like 5.30, sometimes I'll stay until 5.36 at seven working on lesson plans. But I've learned that, you know, I can just leave at 3.30 and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's actually something awesome about it. Um, I think learning to compartmentalize life is important. Like I can, someone told me this last year, the work will always be there tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, that's true. It's not going to go away. Like it's always going to be there. And it's hard as someone who is really passionate and has like, uh, wants things to be perfect or things to be really good to step away and to, um, but what I found is that, you know, if I'm stressed out, I'm not doing my best work at the time. It's actually when I can sleep on it and, rec and rest and, and think about something else that I can come back to it. And I have a fresh brain, I have a fresh mind. So anyway, other things I do, you know, I, I'm a proponent of, of t watching television. I think TV has been, you know, especially during the pandemic and during the lockdown and um, whether it's like binge watching Parks and Rec, like comedy, or it's, I'm currently watching like The Crown. Like, I think it's like, seriously, TV is life therapy. <laughs> and, you know, people could say that's not healthy, but, like it sometimes helped to just be able to like tune out the world and just like, just have something on and, and be able to get to be distracted by it. Um, those are my main things. I think cooking and cleaning are the other things that I struggle with, but um, taking the time to just like cook for myself and not just order takeout or make frozen food. That's something that's a good distraction. Um, and making sure my apartment is clean um, is another good therapeutic thing. But so, yeah, I think you pick up tricks along the way. You, you, it, it, there's no, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Like what works for me isn't going to work for you. Like what self-care works for me, I've discovered over time. And um, 
and you stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. You've shared a couple of stories already so far from, from your career. Um, are there any others that, that just jump out at you? Some of those funny moments, touching moments, horror stories, anything at all? You know, the, the job I was in right before I'm this position, I was in an, an arts administrative position. Um, and it was at a summer stock theater. Um, and this particular nonprofit um, was understaffed and was underpaying their employees. And I think I it took a long time for me to realize that I deserved more. Um, I think one thing is being as an artist is that we're often told to say yes to everything. Um, take whatever you can get. And, and to a certain degree, we do have to pay our dues. Um, we do have to start at the bottom or start somewhere. Um, and I don't, have any regrets about my choices. Um, but I felt that I was put through the ringer whenever I left college. Um, and I realized that I was going to do anything possible to just keep learning and keep my career moving forward. And it jeopardized a really important relationship for me. Um, because it was with my ex, but he felt that I wasn't putting in time for him because I was constantly, I was, you know, substitute teaching during the day and rehearsing in the night. And I didn't have any, um, I didn't make time as much time for him. And, uh, and he wasn't wrong. Um, I was finding myself, like you said, go, 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 just constantly going. Um, and that was the accepted lifestyle was that, I was just supposed to grind and um, make it work. <laughs> and I was able to do some really incredible work. And I learned a lot from those moments, from those experiences, working on projects. Um, but I was not having, a, my personal life was, my financial life wasn't good. I was struggling you know, eventually when I lived on my own, I was living, I could only afford an apartment with a roommate who was very toxic. Um, I was struggling with, I was estranged, I was far away from my family, um, which was by choice, but I was starting to get very homesick and I was not eating properly. I was not, pretty much everything about my personal life was put on the sidelines. And, um, I kind of had to learn the hard way that um, that I am not the art that I make. Like, I have a life, I have friendships, I have um, family, I have other interests, I have um, hobbies, and I need to make time for that. And that's not a betrayal to my work. Like that's part of being a complete human. And, um, you know, the other side of me would have said, no, like you need to sacrifice everything. But it was kind of destroying me. 
And, um, you know, I wrestled a long time with, I did not want to leave that position. First of all, I realized that I didn't want to be an arts administrator, that my, my passion was with in the classroom or in a rehearsal space. Um, I'm just more of an extroverted person like that, but that I needed to, to put my life in order and teaching has allowed me to find a stability that I need. And there's nothing like, it doesn't make me less of an artist because I am value stability or like, it doesn't make me like, it doesn't make me a quitter or not as daring. Um, it doesn't do any good to compare to other people. Um, but for me that uh, I needed to prioritize those parts of my life so that I can make good art and so that I can um, do what I do, what I want to do. Um, and that was a big shift in my mindset was realizing that uh, as an artist, as a teacher, as a director, that um, it's not a crime to uh, have a life outside. And, um, and actually that life you can bring, those experiences you can bring in with you. Um, and I was missing that. I was really missing that. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the ability to have a summer off, to have breaks, um, to be able to afford an apartment on my own and um, to be able to be close to family, to to play board games with my friends on the weekends, to not think about theater all the time. Uh, and, um, and, you know, life has been a lot better with, because of that. So much of what you just shared resonates with me because I, I, before I met my husband, I was in a, a 12 year relationship and we were both arts teachers. Um, and we, like just like what you said we both had the mentality of well this is just what we do and we both understand each other and we understand the demands of our jobs um and i mean there were there were weeks and weeks at a time that we'd see each other 10 minutes yeah. you know and we our our, our relationship i i, I and and i i discuss this with him. I mean, it, it's, I, I believe a part, huge part of our relationship failed because of that, uh, because our work was more important than each other. And mm-hmm. I think it goes, um, it, 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 you, you mentioned something a little bit ago or before that, you know, that the work will still be there. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I've, I've seen the meme on, you know, in all the social media that, you know, if you were to die today, you have a replacement in a day or two at your job. Um, but the people in your life, you're not, mm. there's no replacement for that. And, um, I just, I think, I think what you shared is really important. And, and I, I am glad that as, as, as young of a teacher as you are, that that's, that's important to you and that that's a part of who your professional identity is as well. Um, and I think it's important and I think it's healthy to have that and it's okay to have that. And it's okay to say, no, I'm going to go home now. I'm going to go home and cook a dinner. I'm going to go home and take a walk or with, go to the gym or go to the gym or spend time with my dog or whatever. Um, it's, exactly. it's important to do that. And 
it harkens back to the whole reason I did this podcast uh, to begin with was my mentor teacher for my student teaching um, and the stories that she would share with me. And, and when she retired, I was like, I'm going to lose all these stories. I've got to capture them. And I know teachers have these same stories. Uh, but one of hers was she was that go, go, go teacher. Um, and she met her husband very late in life. And um, she introduced him to one of her theater friends at, at a theater teacher meeting or something, some kind of social and and uh, the, the the teacher said, oh, so this is the famous rich. And she said, yeah, yeah, this is him. And she pulled her aside and said, don't do what I did, Barbara. Mm. Make time for your husband. Go home. Be with him. Because he's not going to be here very long. I was at, it was at the man's funeral. It was at her husband's funeral oh. that she shared that with her. That's exactly <gasps> what it was. not a social event. My apologies, Barbara, oh my if you God. listen to this. Um, but yeah, so I, I just say that because it's so important. It's so important. And I didn't realize that till I left the classroom and was here with my husband and kids. And teaching at a university is very different. I mean, you know, I have a class in the morning. I have a class in the afternoon. I really get to set my own schedule. And I'm very privileged and fortunate to have that. But I didn't know what to do with myself when my class was done at 2.30. And I didn't have a rehearsal because I wasn't faculty directing this year. And I could go home and sit and help with homework or watch TV. I was like, I don't know what this is. What is this life? So yeah. I know sometimes it's like, what do I do with my time? And, and sometimes it's like totally fine to feel uncomfortable with doing nothing, but it's so important to just do nothing. I want to say bef before it leaves my brain, like I struggle this kind of internal conflict of like, you know, we all want recognition. I think we all want, at, struggle with status or you know like are we doing the work either for like i guess like recognition or, or not fame but just uh wanting to be professionally successful but i remember the whole reason why we do this theater thing is because of people it's like it's not about that special gobo light that looked really cool in that moment i mean yeah of course i'm gonna remember that and like people are gonna be wowed by it whatever but it's it's about people it's about how you make them feel and it's about just the quality time spent together and, and so i remember like someone said to me not long ago relationships before business hmm. i'm like if it's not about the relationships and you're just doing it just for for work, like just for recognition or for whatever, or for like, then you're not in it for the right reason. <laughs> so I have, and I struggle with that because I do, I'm an, Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram type three. So like, I, I want to be the best. And I think a lot of theater people like want to be, or we're conditioned to, to, cause we're, you know, constantly auditioning and competing against each other that we are constantly, you know, in this, mode of self-improvement and that's that's good but i think that it can be unhealthy or toxic when um you're doing it just for selfish reasons or um and you're not doing it for the kids or you're not doing it for your school um so i have to sometimes take a step back and think you know what no like i don't need to do that like that would advance me that would help me i would learn a lot but is it really you know is this really serving the community is this really serving 
like the kids? Um, that's the question I go back to. Is this really helping the kids? Or is this just me kind of getting in my ego, kind of getting in the way? <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, my final two questions are the ones that I ask everyone on the show. The first one is, what is a resource that is a must-have for theater teachers right now? Yes. Um, one book in particular that like changed everything for me is called Into the Story, Language in Action Through Drama. And it's by uh, Carol Miller and Juliana Saxton. And it is about story and process drama and goes back to kind of how do you use picture books to um, develop a drama session and how do you tackle issues of, of uh, personal life or society, social issues. So I highly recommend that book. It really changed the way that I see um, teaching. Awesome. Uh, I've, I remember that. I was in my master's program, I believe, and my professor was really trying, it was a reading class and, and mm. like as theater people were like, oh, why do we have to take a reading class? But I was in there and he was really working to connect what I do to what we were doing in that class. And that was one of the ones that he recommended. So I appreciate you bringing that back out. And my final question is, what are your words of wisdom for that new teacher entering the field or that veteran teacher who just needs an encouraging word? Yeah. Um, fill your cup. <laughs> Make sure you fill your cup. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to walk away and um, do what you need to do to recharge. And then the other one, other thing I'd say is um, just remember your little victories. Like just always reflect on your practice and um, to keep track of those little wins that you have because um, that will get you through some of the toughest moments that you might face. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you all the best with this new school year. Um, and uh, if I can be a resource or anything for you, please do not hesitate reaching out. Um, but uh, your kids are really lucky and I appreciate uh, the conversation today. Thank you, Jimmy. I really needed this too. <laughs> And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Tune in next week for the next one. We have so many great teachers coming up and so many that have already been with us. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go on your favorite podcast provider, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us five stars, review us. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. Visit our website, www.fedtalks.com for the pages for all the teachers who have been on our show email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com if you have an idea for a future guest on the show or suggestions or topics that you'd like to have on the show email me i love interacting with you on there and i always follow up follow us on all of the social media that's out there we are out there on twitter at theater ed talks on facebook we have a fed talks page and instagram fed talks podcast once again our website is www.fedtalks.com Thank you, teachers, for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Continue to be the lights that you are and changing all those lives. I appreciate you. Take care.